Good evening to everyone. I'm so glad you're here on this uh, snowy Saturday night as we've come to worship the Lord together. And welcome. If you find your Bible and open it, please, or turn it on and find, if you will, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number five. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture. You'll need your Bible tonight and follow along. We're in Deuteronomy, chapter number five, beginning with verse number 11. These are the Ten Commandments that we're looking at. We're talking about foundations, foundations for restoration. If there's a need for moral restoration in our world, it's now. We live in a time where it seems like nothing seems to be right. All that's right is called wrong, and all that's wrong seems to be called right. You are a hater if you stand for truth, and uh, persecution is coming. We need to prepare ourselves, steal ourselves, and be morally formed and spiritually formed to be all that God has called us to be. In the fifth chapter of Deuteronomy, we have a recap again of the Ten Commandments. Same commandments are found in Exodus chapter 20. And if you find the verse 11, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. If you're not careful, you'll skim over this commandment. You will think you know what it means when you don't know what it means. And you will embrace a common interpretation of what it means, which is not what this means. And so tonight, I hope that we can go deeper than that. Because most of the time you look at it and you say, well, that means you shouldn't cuss or curse. Where I grew up, it was cussing. Or use profanity or use bad words. My mother believed in using soap to deal with dirty words. I still taste it. That's not what this is about. If you take this commandment seriously, it should be one of the most perplexing and difficult and troubling in the ten. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished. The Lord will not acquit, literally. The Lord will not forgive. The one who takes his name in vain. Now that ought to cause you to wonder, what does this mean? Right? So it's very, very serious, and it's very weighty, and I think that we're being a fool not to take it weighty and seriously. It's got to mean something more than just using God's name in a flippant way, which I don't, which is wrong, but to say, oh God, I had a hard day, or oh Jesus, that's not right to do that. 
But you can't say that this, by doing that, the Lord will not acquit you. It, this is something heavy and serious. A Jewish scholar writing on this text says, clearly there are some sins that seem to be worse or heavier than others. And of the ten, this is the most weighty. Most people intuitively as well as biblically understand that some sins are clearly worse than others. We're confident that God has at least as much common sense as we do. That the God of Judaism and Christianity does not equate stealing an office item with murder. So what is the worst sin? The worst sin is committing evil in God's name. This is what this commandment is teaching us. That God will not forgive the person who violates this commandment. I want us to look at it together and study it and try to understand what the Lord is saying. First of all, I think we need to talk about what is in a name. In our culture, we don't think much about names. We're pretty flippant about names. We don't think seriously about names. Not the Bible. The Bible's very serious about names. And the name, what people's names were, the names that were given, given to them. The naming of the child was a weighty thing when our children were born. We were trying to figure out what sounds right, what did it mean, what, what is the appropriate name. It seemed like a very important thing. The most important thing is how you rear your child. But the beginning of rearing them is teaching them their name and who they are and their sense of identity, and giving them a name that is part of that responsibility. And the identity of that child is bound with its name. In the Bible, it was a name of significance. Cities were given a significant name, towns, regions, a, a name. And the people were given names. And so he says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The revealing, the progressive revealing of the name of God in the Pentateuch is something interesting. We find uh, in Genesis chapter number 32 a story about Jacob. You remember there's Jacob and Esau. These are twin brothers, remember? And, and um, Jacob, the word Jacob means heel snatcher, cheater, uh, supplanter. Uh, that's what Jacob me means. And his brother Esau, remember, there was a rivalry between them, a rivalry between the mother and the father, and between Rebekah and Isaac, and rivalry and dysfunction in the home. I don't know how dysfunctional your home is. You grew up, but that home was pretty dysfunctional. And he steals his birthright. He gives him to sell his birthright for a pot of porridge. And then he steals the blessing by deceiving and lying to his father, pretending to be his brother. And he receives that, that blessing that his brothers 
thought was rightfully his. Esau says, as far as I'm concerned, I'll kill him if I ever see him again. And Jacob goes to see out to Rebekah's home region and uh, in the, uh, among the Arameans and there, uh, Padan Aram, and there she, he encounters Uncle Laban and there he barters and ends up with two wives. You remember the story. And the 12 tribes come from this man, Jacob. Jacob, after things have gotten tense with Uncle Laban, makes his way back toward the land of his father's and Abraham and Isaac, and on his way back, he realizes he's going to encounter Esau, and he's scared to death of encountering Esau. You remember the story. And he sends waves of his own servants ahead of him, and, and animals ahead of him, and his family and servants in front of him. He divides his family up, and he sends these gifts, and he says, when he asks you, you say, this is a gift from your brother Jacob. And then he pours his heart out to God. God in heaven, save me. And my brother's stronger and more powerful. And I know that he, and he just pours his heart out to him and praying for some restoration with his brother before he's killed. He crosses over the brook of Jabbok and he's there at night by himself. You know the story. And an angel of the Lord wrestles with him. It's the Lord's presence right there. And as Jacob wrestles all night long with this angel of the Lord, it's daybreak, and he's hanging on with all that his hat has. His hip is knocked out of joint, and he holds on to the angel of the Lord, and he says, I'll not let go until you bless me. And the Lord says, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob cheater, supplanter, heel snatcher, deceiver. And he said, yes, but you will be called Israel, one who strives with God and prevails. I'm forgiving you. I'm changing you. And I'm giving you a new name. Now listen, there's an order of authority there. And Jacob then says, then you tell me your name. <laughs> and the Lord does not give him his name. Because to give him his name would be surrender to Jacob's authority. Jacob has to surrender to God's authority. Jacob names the place Peniel. Meaning I wrestled with God. Face to face. But he doesn't know the name of God. In the book of Exodus, chapter number 3, we find, and I talked about this last week, the story of Moses, and he's there and he sees on the mountain a bush that is on fire. He approaches it. It's not being consumed. And the voice of the Lord speaking, God speaking out of the bush, says, take up your sandals, the ground you're on is holy ground. He says, I've heard the cries of of my people in Egypt. I have seen their oppression and I know what they're going through. I want you to understand that what he's saying to him is, I am a personal God. I see, I hear, I know. And I'm sending you to let to lead my people out of that oppression and slavery and captivity. And with my powerful arm, I will restore them and redeem them. 
And Moses says humbly, he said, but they will ask me your name and what shall I say? And you will say to them, I am who I am. That is the personal name of God. Yahweh or Jehovah is the word to be in Hebrew. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. It is the holy being of an eternal God, the one and only God of all authority and power. The God of this age is simply, it is what it is. That's the God of this age. Well, it is what it is. No, it's not. Whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera. God said, no, I am who I am. And I am carrying out what I will carry out in this world. Amen? It's not just chance. It's a personal God. And he gives him a personal name. In the book of Exodus, chapter number 33, it's an interesting story. The children of Israel are, have been given the Ten Commandments, and they have sinned against God and began to worship other idols. And notice that the wrath of God is poured out against the children of Israel because of their idolatry. And Moses says, if you don't go with us, I can't go. If you don't go before us, we're done. Oh, God. He pours out his heart. And in chapter 33 of Exodus, verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing which I've spoken, which you have spoken. For I found, you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. And then Moses said, I pray thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name. Now listen, I will proclaim my name, the name of the Lord Yahweh before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and show compassion on whom I shall show compassion. He says, I'm going to pre preach to you and show you and reveal you who I am and my holy name. But you can't see my face. I'm too holy you couldn't stand it. No man can see my face and live, he says. In verse 20, the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me. You'll stand there in the rock, and it'll come about that my glory is passing by, and I'll put you inside the crack, the cleft in the rock, and I'll cover you with my hand until I've passed. And then I'll take my hand away, and you'll see my back, but my face you shall not see. You see the holiness of God. He gives him the Ten Commandments on the mountain, and then the cloud of God comes over and envelops Moses. And the Lord descends in the cloud in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 5, and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, here's his name, the Lord Yahweh, the Lord Yahweh, God, compassionate and gracious slow to anger, 
abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. And Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth, and he worshiped. And he said, if I found favor in your sight, O Lord, let the Lord go, God go along in our midst, even though the people are obstinate. And do thou pardon our iniquity and our sin. And take us as your own possession. Wow, what a beautiful passage of Scripture. This is the name of God proclaimed by God himself. First of all, quickly, his name is holy, unlike any other name. Secondly, his name reveals his character, who he is, and how he, how he saves us. Thirdly, it is a personal name, and when you speak his name, you know him personally. And that is who our God is. We may know him personally. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 9 in verse number six, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and a government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there'll be no end to the increase of his government or of peace, and on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Who is this man? Who is this God? Who is this personal God? John's Gospel, chapter number 14. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And if you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you know him and you have seen him. He said, you have seen the God the Father. How? And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. It's enough for us. And he's, Jesus said to Philip, have I been with you so long and you don't yet to come to know me, Philip? He who's seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen my daddy. Woo! Now, that's a statement right there, my friends. Amen? Amen. This is who he is. In the book of Revelation, in chapter number 19, John sees a picture of a one who is riding on a white horse. And he sat upon it, and his name was called Faithful and True. And his robe was dipped in blood, and the wrath of God was poured out. And he had an iron scepter in his hand. And on his robe was peeled back, and tattooed on his thigh was his name. King of kings and Lord of lords. <laughs> That's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. He is. That's what's in a name. His name is holy. 
and you are to deal with his name with the respect of holiness in an appropriate relationship. Did you? My, my parents taught me to respect others in authority and to respect elders and to respect parents and to respect teachers and to respect others. Did your parents teach you that? Have you taught your children that, your grandchildren that? As a boy, I learned my parents taught me to say to adults, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. My parents taught me I didn't call my parents by their first name. I recognized their authority, and I called them father or dad or mother, or mom. But I didn't call them by the first name because they're my authority in my life. There's a respect that should be told. I learned it. I called professors by professor. I called my doctor, doctor. I go to visit my doctor. I call him doctor. He, I, he comes in to see me. He says, pastor. There's, there's a respect. Or he might say to me, just call me Jim, okay, Jim, I'll have to call you that. But there's a respect that needs to happen. But the God of heaven has given us a holy name. And his name is Jesus and Jehovah, the Lord God Almighty. The angel of the Lord said to Mary and Joseph, you will name him Jesus. Because Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. He is our Savior. He is our Lord and our Master. Amen? Amen. We're not to use the name casually. You're not to use it flippantly. You're not to use it unthoughtfully. You're not to use it manipulatively. And I think the text gets to it. You're not to use it deceptively. There's power in His name. You don't believe in there's power in his name? There's power in his name. You remember, oh, <laughs> I could go so many ways in this sermon. God help me. <clears throat> you remember, old David and Goliath? Goliath came out and taunted the children of Israel and taunted them every day and taunted their God. And Saul coward and Jonathan even didn't fight him. And none of David's brothers, but David said, who is this that was taunting in the name of God. And he went out to fight him. And when he went out to fight him, he says, Who am I, a dog? You come with me as sticks, you little boy. I'm getting ready to tear you apart and feed your birds the flesh to the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, when I get done with you. Little old David looked him right in the eye. He said, Dude, you come with me with sword. You come with me with a javelin. You come with me in a, with a spear. But I come against you in the name of the God of Israel, whom you have taunted. But God will deliver you into my hands. Woo. The next song he heard was a rock and roll. 
His name is protection. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and they are saved. There's, his name is provision. What do you ask in my name, I will give to you, Jesus said. So what does this commandment mean? It's more than using his name as a curse word or swear word or profanity. You're not to use his name in empty ways. We are to reverence his name. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. His name represents God in all of his holiness. So he says, you shall not take up, lift up. The Hebrew word is to carry, to lift up. The NIV translates it to misuse the name. And that's, that gets added. You're not to use the name of the Lord your God deceptively. You're not to use it without authority. You are not to create an impression that God is behind some activity that you're doing or affirms it when God has not spoken in that way. It's to use it wickedly. It's to take the name of God and to use it to commit wicked deeds. Like some have done radical Islamic Muslims who've killed and murdered in the name of God. Or in the past, folks who claimed as crusaders to be under the banner of Christ and committing heinous crimes and murder and warfare. Those who use the name of God as TV evangelists and other kinds of prophets and false preachers to enrich themselves in the name of God. To use the name of God to invoke it, to win a ball game, to place a bet, to buy a lotto ticket. Politicians using the name of God for their own nefarious reasons is to misuse his name without his permission or his will consulted. And God takes it seriously. Here's what he says. I will not acquit this behavior because it's tantamount to the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Because you're attributing to God by the use of his name your own ends for yourself. And the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is to say the very things that God is doing attributed to an evil one. It's the sort of the other side of that. Dennis Prager, a Jewish writer, says the most frequent argument by atheists in today against God and religion concerns evil committed in God's name. Whether it's done in the name of Allah today or was done in the past in the name of Christ, 
People who murder in the name of God not only kill their victims, they kill God. And that's why it's the greatest sin in the Ten Commandments. It says, don't carry God's name in vain. And if you do, God will not forgive you. How do we reverence then? The question is, how do I reverence his name? The other side of us, don't take it in vain, means do reverence his name. How do I do that? Good, I'm glad you asked. First of all, how do we reverence his name? We reverence his name by worshiping him and praying authentically to God in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm telling you, the, the temptation is greater blasphemy to take place on a Sunday or a weekend worship than at a sporting event. Because we vainly take his name but in our heart, we have no desire to submit to his lordship. Jesus said, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Jesus has no interest, and God the Father has no interest, and is actually is vehemently opposed to perfunctory worship. You coming into the house of God and lifting your voice and using his name. But you know you have rebellion in your heart and you will not submit to him. That is taking his name in vain. Not saying, oh, Jesus. But coming here and say, oh, Jesus, I love you when you don't. Getting quiet in here. Am I wrong? Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 6. If you have your Bible. When in doubt, go to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. Verse number 5. Do you have your Bible? And when you pray, you're not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners. And what's their motive? In order to be seen by men. I tell you, they have their reward in full. When you pray, you go into your inner room, and when you have closed the door, you pray to your fathers in secret, and your father who hears and sees in secret, he will repay you. When you pray, don't be like the Gentiles who think by their meaningless repetition, they suppose they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. But when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Don't be like the hypocrites and the Gentiles, for they come and they put on a show, and they try to impress others and themselves, and they try to manipulate God, who they think they can manipulate. 
You cannot manipulate him. He wants you. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse number 14. If you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. You stand there in God's name through Jesus Christ. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Is that your heart? Is it really his kingdom? Is it really his will be done? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, Lord, this day our daily bread and forgive us. God, meet our needs. God, we're dependent on you. God, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Jesus reaffirms this. He says, you come praying this prayer in my name. And you pray to the Father, but if you're unwilling to forgive, then there's something wrong in the whole prayer that you just prayed. And you won't find forgiveness yourself. Because God will not be manipulated. God wants you. All of you. Your children know. They know if you're honest in your walk with God. Your children know in your own home whether you honestly love the Lord, they know if your worship is genuine. You harbor sin in your life. You harbor hatred in your life. You harbor unforgiveness. And then you sing, My Jesus, I love you. They know. The book of James By the way, the Sermon on the Mount and the book of James go hand in hand. If you look with me to the book of James, chapter number 4, in verse number 3, he says, You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. He says, You don't have power in your worship, your prayer life, because it's all about you. Not about God and His holiness. And then he goes on, he says, you adulteresses. Adultery and idolatry, it's the same thing. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God? Or do you not think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit that He's made to dwell in us. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It also has to do with not only how we worship and pray, but it has to do about how we talk about God and how we talk about other people. Look with me to James 3, not James 4. uh, I put the wrong reference in earlier. James chapter 3, verse number 9. He says, nobody can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Listen to what he says. With it, we bless our Lord, praise his name, bless him, and Father. And with it, we what? Curse men who've been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth 
come blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things must not be this way. When you put other people down, when you speak evil of them, when you disparage others, when you curse others, you dishonor the Lord. And I'm telling you, listen to me, church family. We've gotten caught up in this. The church has gotten caught up into this. There's been a political battlefield in this, in this country we live in. And it's ugly and it's mean-spirited and it's wrong. And we're off the rails in so many ways. But the church of Jesus Christ has picked a side. And we line up on one side of the others and we're checking uniforms to see who's on our side. And meanwhile, the battlefield is strewn with people that have been injured and broken. And we need to not do that. We need to wear, we need to fly under the banner of the red cross of Jesus Christ and love people that are broken in this world. Don't take his name up in vain. I'm sick and tired of politicians flying under the banner of Christ and living like sinful. I just want to make sure I'm still here. I think it has to do with how we live our lives. Amen? In Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 5, verse number 43. You've heard it as said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies. Woo! Ouch. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise and sends a son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward have you if you don't even the tax gatherers do the same? Verse 48, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is. If you love only people that love you, how are you different than the world? He says, love others, pray for those who persecute you, bless those who do evil to you. In Matthew chapter 5, he said, he said you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. He said, men don't light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but they set it on a lampstand all may see. Let your light so shine before men that they may see by your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says in chapter number 5, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us, and we beg you on behalf of Christ." Be reconciled. You are an ambassador. You represent Jesus in this world. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You represent Jesus in this world. You bear His name. You are followers of Jesus and you are bearing His name in this broken world. As Christ bearers, don't lift up his name in vain, uselessly, empty, and for your own benefit and not for God's glory. 
Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Live the life. Amen? Amen. So parents, teach your children. This is the way we walk. This is the way we live. This is the way we believe. This is how we do. This is how we relate to each other. I, used, I said this to my, my kids all the time, and, and, uh, and I used to, they get ready to leave, go, go somewhere, and I say, be good. I just say, be good. Then I might say, be safe. And I, f- I felt like they needed more ammunition. I would say, remember who you are. Remember who you are. And then I'd say, remember who we are. Because you bear our name. But you bear Christ's name. Don't take his name in vain. How seriously does God take his name? Deuteronomy 5.11 says he will not leave unpunished. He will not acquit. He will not forgive. In Matthew's gospel, chapter number 7, verse 21, Matthew 7, verse 21, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles in your name? And I will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Not everybody says, Lord, Lord, is a follower of Jesus Christ. Not everybody in ministries is a follower of Jesus Christ. You prophesy, you cast out demons, you do miracles. But what's missing is a transformed relationship where the name of God and the Lord God himself becomes the Lord of your life. And he changes you to be his children. And you bear his name doing his mission in this world. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus said, the fruit of the tree reveals the type of tree it is. And a good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit, and a good tree can't bear bad fruit. And out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. And you will give an account for every careless and useless word. Because by your words, you will be justified. 
and by your words, you will be condemned. Your words matter because they reveal your heart. You shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. Three things. The Lord holds us accountable. God sternly judges because of his name. But let me give you some hope. Christ Jesus is our hope. Because he died for all of our sin. And he paid for them in full. And when you say Jesus is Lord, God will forgive you and heal you and save you. Amen? Amen. Take away questions tonight. Number one, how do your words reverence his name? Do they? Number two, how does your worship and prayer reverence his name? And number three, how does your lifestyle and personal relationship reverence his name? Father, please have your way in our hearts and our lives tonight. And I pray that tonight we might see the importance of this great commandment to not take your name and use it in vain and empty ways. For our own, for our own motives. God, help us to reverence your name. In Jesus' name, amen.